everybody. I hope everybody's doing really well and that you had a good Thanksgiving and a good weekend. Uh, I saw this little ad that said, get over your turkey coma, shop here on Black Friday. And so, not sure that's how you get over a turkey coma, but I hope that you had a, a good Thanksgiving day, a good Black Friday, a good Saturday, and you're having a great day today, a really, really good weekend. I want to thank Kevin for directing our mind in that communion message. That was a great thought that you gave us today. And I appreciate the work that you do here, and I also appreciate the work that you do in life. Um, it's, it's great that you set an example. And so really, really grateful for you and for that. I also want to just say that for everyone, um, that, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, I know for some of us, it's a hard time. It's, it's, you know, I had an emotional day on Thursday, um, and yet uh, we, we pushed through. It was really good to be with the, uh, the, ch the children, and they make things great. It's also good to eat, um, you know. <laughs> if you're feeling emotional, eat. Um, and so I did a lot of that. Did you know, and I'm just giving you this information because that's what I do. I try to help you out, okay? Uh, the average person has over 10,000 taste buds. Did you know that? Now, I'm above average, so I think I probably have 20,000 taste buds. And here's the other thing. They replace themselves every two weeks. Okay? Your taste buds become new every two weeks. So that's pretty awesome. And so I think that when I bit into my, you know, my wife cooks this amazing sweet potato casserole. And if you're not from the South, you might not can even picture what a casserole is, but her sweet potato casserole is like eating dessert before dessert's supposed to happen. Uh, th that's what it's like. And so my 10,000 plus taste buds were feeling that uh, really, really nicely. And um, so I hope that you had some good things to eat. I did want to announce that on Sunday the 17th, we are having our Christmas uh, service. We are uh, celebrating Christmas. We'll also be here on Christmas Eve, uh, which is uh, the, the, the Sunday this year. Uh, but for the 17th, we'll be having our uh, children perform, and we'll also be having, after uh, the service itself, we'll be having um, light bites, I think. Light and savory bites is what we're calling it. And so you can sign up for that. And there's Kelly in the back. Oh, look, she's got help also. But there they are with signs in the back. Beautiful signs. I can see them from here. Beautiful signs. And uh, so you can sign up right there. Please sign up. Look, not only is that happening, Roz, is that Roz back there? She's signing up. So, wow, what an example right there. So, and if you want to be like Roz, you're welcome to get up right now and uh, go to the back and, and, and sign up, you know, go for it if, if you wish. Um, but please sign up. We want to have a great day. It's going to be a great day that day, but we want to also be able to snack on um, some good food after we have our Christmas service together. Um, one other thing, if you get close to me today, you will see that my left eye, it, it doesn't hurt at all, but um, I, I popped a blood vessel or something in my left eye. So it's good that you're sitting back. If you can see it, you might want to move even farther back. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I don't know how it happened. 
I was watching an interview of Nick Saban a few weeks ago. And if you know Nick Saban, he's the coach for the Alabama, um, anyway, just when I say Alabama, boo, okay? For the University of Alabama, there you go. And uh, he's their coach. And um, he, he had a, a busted blood vessel in his eye. And he said, I, it doesn't hurt. I don't know how I got it. I understand that you can get it when you yell. And I yell a lot, <laughs> that's what he said. And if you know anything about him, he does yell a lot. But I don't yell a lot, but you can also get it from sneezing, okay? And I sneeze a lot. And when I sneeze, squirrels run for cover, okay? It is so loud. And when I sneeze, babies in the neighborhood wake up from their sleep. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's how it probably, probably happened. Um, but I just wanted to notify you of that. Today we're going to uh, conclude our series on gratitude, but kind of continue on into it next week, because next week we're going to turn towards talking about Christmas, which is known as Advent on the religious calendar. And we're going to be looking at Mary, one of my favorite characters in the New Testament, and we're going to be looking at the incarnation of Jesus. And uh, all of this is something for us to be grateful for as well. And so we'll kind of continue this series as we move on into Christmas, because it is such a special time of year and a time of year for us to be thankful. Now, we've been focusing on gratitude, specifically at the beginning, the why of gratitude. And we talked about Jesus. We talked about the cross. Um, I listened to Ryan's message from last Sunday. It was a great message, and he continued talking about gratitude. Today, we're going to be talking about for whom are we grateful? Who are the people that we are grateful for in our lives? And that continues with a thought of, you know, being grateful for Jesus and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. But specifically, I want us to think more about the people that we're grateful for in our lives. I've lived long enough on the earth uh, to circle the sun 66 times. And it's actually 66 and the third time uh, now. And one of the things I've realized in my, ride, my rides around the sun is that there are a lot of people that have helped me to get to where I am in life. And that is true of all of us. And of course, all of us who are disciples of Jesus, we understand that we need to be grateful for Jesus because we wouldn't be here even today in this auditorium without Jesus and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit as well. But I'm also, we, we need to be we need to recognize how we've been blessed in life by different people. And for me, I have been blessed by so many people in my life. I realize today, as I stand before you, I realize that I am a person of privilege. And I have been privileged with many things in my life. Things that I don't deserve, things that I didn't choose, things that just fell my way because of where I was born and the family that I was born in, and um, not of any choosing of my own. I would like to think that I've had something to do with some of the accomplishments of my life, like a little bit of hard work, a little bit of personal integrity, a little bit of a self-starting spirit, a mind that works fairly well, and a heart that makes wise choices. But if I'm honest, I need to admit that Probably the biggest thing that got me to where I am in life, I didn't have any choice about. It's just simply the fact that 
I was born where I was. Even the fact that I know Jesus the way that I do. If I had been born in a different part of the world, the likelihood of me know, knowing Jesus the way that I do right now might not have happened. But because I was born here, and because I was born in the family that I was born into, I know Jesus. So many choices in life weren't my choice at all. Um, and that's why I say I am a person of privilege. I didn't cho choose to be born into a loving family. I didn't choose to be born into a neighborhood that was free of violence. I didn't choose an elementary school where my teachers nurtured me and nurtured my desire to learn. In fact, I didn't even choose to go to school. Education was provided for me. When I, you know, and when school started, mom and dad, they didn't begin the day with, hey boys, you wanna go to school today? Or would you rather stay home? That's not what my mom said. My mom said, hey boys, get up, get dressed, and go to school. And that's what we did. It was, there wasn't a choice to it. It's just how it happened. I didn't choose to have a, a, a wonderful mother who showed me unconditional love. That wasn't a choice. It was just, it just happened. I didn't choose a dad who was an amazing dad. My dad was a godly, nurturing provider who was also one of my best friends in life. And I didn't choose him. He just came to me. I didn't choose to be healthy. I didn't choose that when I was sick, I had doctors nearby and we could afford to go to doctors. I didn't choose that when I turned on the water faucet, clean water came out of that faucet. I didn't choose to live in a geographic area where people believed in Jesus. And actually people talked about biblical Christianity where I was. I didn't choose to become a reader. Mom took me to the library and said, go in and get some books. And I went in and I got some books and I started reading. I didn't choose any of these blessings. They just came to me. I was born into privilege. And yet I need to be, I need to keep on my mind all the time, the people that got me to where I am in life and be grateful for them. I know I've traveled the world enough, which again is my privilege that I've gotten to do that, but I've traveled the world enough to know that not everyone in the world has had the same advantages that I've had. This isn't lost on me. And I feel a desire to express to people that have helped me my gratitude. I also have a desire to admit that I am a person of privilege. And I want to express um, before you and before other people that I get that, I know that, I need to know it more. And the more I travel, the more I get it. Brene Brown writes this, what separates privilege from entitlement is gratitude. We ought to recognize the privileges that we've been given in life. And when we fail to do so, that idea bleeds over into entitlement. Gratitude is the guardrail between privilege and entitlement. 
And if you're a disciple of Jesus, well, you should just admit that is a privilege. It is a privilege to be a disciple of Jesus. It's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. It's something that we have just gotten because God loves us. And we need to recognize that. Randy Harris, who's a retired professor from Abilene Christian University, he uses a baseball analogy to illustrate how we can ignore our spiritual privilege sometimes, and also how can we can ignore just privilege in our lives sometimes. And if you aren't familiar with baseball, because I know we have a global audience here today, if you're not familiar with baseball, here's a baseball field. I drew that for you, okay? Um, I th yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. I, I know that some of you that are artists, you're, you're jealous right now. Okay, but, but don't be, all right? It, it just comes to me. And, uh, I, you're, or you might be thinking, did you really draw that, Steve, or did your grandchildren draw that, you know? Um, but you see, there's a diamond at the bottom of the field, and there's a home plate at the very bottom, and then you run up to first base, then you run over to second base, then you run over to third base, and then you come back home. And when you come into home safely, that's one run. You get one run. Okay, so that's baseball, and that's how it works. Well, this is Randy Harris's analogy for us. He says, we were placed on third base, and we think we hit a triple. Hitting a triple means you make it to third, okay? <laughs> you make it to third base. But to me, that analogy rings true, because there are times where I think, oh, I've done this, and oh, I've done that, when actually God picked me up, and he, he just stood me on third base. Didn't even have to go to first, didn't even have to go to second. He just plopped me on third base. And that's especially true, it's true of so many areas of my life. It's especially true spiritually because I had a godly mother and a godly father. And they not only taught me the Bible, but they taught me about the biblical church. And they taught me about New Testament Christianity. And they, they, sat, they, they set me on this path of just following Jesus. But honestly, whether you had that or not, if you find yourself as a disciple of Jesus today, you've been placed on third base. And you just need to recognize that privilege because so many people in the world, they don't get to hear about Jesus. They don't know him like we do. Um, the one billion people in India a minority of the people there grow up hearing about Jesus, a small fraction of the billion in the subcontinent of India. And so just recognize, you know, I've been placed on third base. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, God picked me up and he set me on third base. A relationship with God through Jesus with the Holy Spirit, it's a privilege. And I owe, I owe thanks to God for picking me up on setting me on third base. I owe thanks to people who have helped me get to third base. I owe thanks to people who are helping me get from third base to sliding safely into home, to being with God. Now let's think about Paul for a bit. I call Paul the apostle of gratitude. Paul knew he was blessed by God, and he appreciated the fact that through Jesus, uh, he had been picked up and placed on third base. Okay, not literally, because Paul didn't play baseball, but I'm sticking with that analogy, okay? He used a different analogy. He used the analogy of adoption. In Ephesians 1, 3, 
through verse 18. This is the, these are the words of Paul here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. Not only that, he uses the image of being joyfully thankful to God that we're able to share in the inheritance of life and to be in the kingdom of Jesus. In Colossians 1, verses 11 through 14, Paul says this, May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from the glorious, His glorious power, so that you may have all endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Notice there, joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Gratitude, who has enabled you and me to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What did we do to earn that? What did we do to deserve that? Well, Paul says, you know what? Just be grateful. Be grateful that you've been chosen. Be grateful that this is your experience because the fact is we haven't earned it. It's a blessing and a gift from God. Paul also realized in his own life that there were people that were going to help him get from that third base that God planted him on to home safely. Again, my analogy, not Paul's. For example, consider this. In nine of 13 letters that Paul wrote, he thanked his recipients. He didn't have to do that. He could have just greeted them and gone on. But he thanked them because he knew that he was in partnership with them and that they were helping him as much as he was helping them. In Philippians 1, verses 3 through 5, Paul writes, I thank my God for every remembrance of you. You see that? He's grateful. He says, I thank God for every time I remember you. Always in every one of my prayers for all of you. And he prays for them. Praying with joy for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul was grateful for the people that God had put in his life. And he considered that a partnership. He knew that his accomplishments in the Lord, they didn't happen in a silo. They didn't happen all by himself. And it wasn't because of his own talent or his own ambition or his own hard work that things happened. He realized that he worked with other people and it all happened together. Paul knew and appreciated the fact that he had sponsors. He had benefactors. He had co-workers. He had people that showed him hospitality. He even had people that kept him out of peril and kept him out of jail. Paul knew that, and he was grateful for that. All of us, we have sponsors as well. We have benefactors. We have people that have gotten us to this place in our lives spiritually. And we need to look around and we need to be thankful for them because none of us have arrived spiritually on our own. It's a matter of privilege. It's something that God has given us, and we need to be grateful for that. 
I appreciate so much Paul doing that because when I think of the Apostle Paul, I think, uh, and maybe this is just me putting my Western mindset on him, I think of a guy that was hard, a hard worker. I think of a guy who was a super intellectual guy. I think of a guy who pulled himself up by his own bootstraps. But Paul didn't see himself that way. Paul himself saw himself with a more of an Eastern mindset that I'm in community with other people. And you know what? I would not be anywhere if it weren't for that community. And also he realized that it was God, that God picked him up. He, he didn't pull himself up by his own bootstraps. Paul, God picked him up and sat him on third base and said, and I'm going to give you the people to help you get safely home. That's what God did for Paul. And Paul realized that. And we need to realize that as well. I, one of the chapters that I love the most about Paul is probably one of the least read chapters of all of his writings. And it's Romans 16, especially the first half. In Romans 16, what does Paul do? He mentions names. He sends greetings to the people in Rome. And I love it because when I read that, I, what I'm reading is Paul realizing he's not working in a silo all by himself. Paul is there saying, you know what? I am grateful to all of you. I'm grateful to some of you that I've not even met, that I've only heard of, because we share something in common, and that is Jesus. We share the community of Christ together. In Romans 16, verses 1 through 15, Paul mentions 25 people and five households. I'll say that again. In 15 verses, Paul mentions 25 people and five households households. He was grateful for the people in his life. And I'm going to read a little bit of this. I'm going to read verses 1 through, I think, 7 or 8. Not the whole thing. You can go back this afternoon and read the whole thing. I'll read 1 through 7. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Sencria, so that you may welcome her in the Lord, as is fitting for the saints, and help her in whatever she may require from you. For she has been a benefactor of many, of myself as well. Paul is honoring her and thanking her and saying she's, she's been a benefactor for me. And then he says, greet Prisca, or Priscilla, sometimes it's translated that way, and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life. Paul thanks them and says, and you know what? They put their necks out for me to keep me safe. He says, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles give them thanks. Then he says, greet also the church that meets in their house. Greet my beloved um, Eponetus, who was the first convert in, the, in Asia for Christ. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Israelites, who were in prison with me. They are prominent among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. And then you can read the rest of that. See what Paul is doing here? He's not just making a list of names. And I know sometimes we do that, and that's good. That's fine. And sometimes we do that even on Thanksgiving. Let me just list all the people I'm thankful for. But Paul puts a comma back uh, uh, beside their name and then writes about them. And that's even better. It's even better when you can go a little deeper and say, I am grateful for you because dot, dot, dot. And that's what Paul does here. So he, in many cases, he not only sends a greeting, but he is specific about why he's greeting them and specific about why he's thankful for them. Phoebe, a deacon in the church, and 
a benefactor for many. And Paul says, even for me. She has been a benefactor for me. Prisca and Aquila, co-workers who risked their lives for Paul. A church met in their house. Eponitas, first convert in Asia. Mary, hard worker for the disciples in Rome. Andronicus and Junia, they were in prison with Paul. And they were known by the apostles. Rufus's mother, mentions that in the next part, was like a mother to Paul. I know my own life. I had my mom, my physical mom, who was also a spiritual mom for me. But I've had also many spiritual mothers in my life. And I'm grateful to God for all of them. This long list of names demonstrates how important people were to Paul. He paid attention to these people in his life. And throughout his letters, he mentions people, and he mentions churches. And he says, I thank you. I am grateful. Paul understood the need to express gratitude for people in his life. Mentioning people who have blessed our lives is something that is a good spiritual quality to have. Paul had this quality. But not only that, it is good for us and healthy for us to be grateful for the people that God has put in our lives. Dr. Robert Edmonds, who um, Ryan Irby turned me on to, and also I think Ryan mentioned him last week, and I know my, Ryan in his, in his uh, sermon last week talked about a gratitude journal and how important journaling is. Well, this is a psychologist who studies the benefit of gratitude, and he encourages people to journal about their gratitude. And he and his colleagues did a study which demonstrated that people who keep a gratitude journal once a week, just once a week for 10 weeks, okay, get that, divided it up into three groups, three test groups, and then they kept track, and all you had to do was be grateful and write down your gratitude once a week for 10 weeks. Those who did that versus the ones who didn't or focused on something else, those who did that were 25% happier at the end of those 10 weeks. There's something special about being grateful. And I would just encourage all of us at the end of this month, you know, when we've been thinking about gratitude, don't stop here. You know, keep going. Keep going into December. Keep going into next year. If you haven't written on our, uh, our gratitude mural in the back, write something on there. Do it even today. But gratitude journaling is helpful. Thinking about things that you're grateful for is helpful. It fights against feelings like envy, and greed and negativity. Edmonds writes this, what I found the most amazing is how I've been able to connect with people over this concept of gratitude. It's been said that gratitude is the remind and bind emotion that reminds you of the people who have done things for you and it binds them, connects them to you and you to them. It's like glue, that's what gratitude is. And it, is, it ought to be the glue of our community. How we're grateful to God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, but we're grateful for each other. And we let each other know that we are grateful for each other. So I have two questions for you today as I close out this lesson. The questions are, to whom are you grateful? And then, why are you grateful for that person? And I have an activity, okay? I'm a teacher, and I'm used to giving homework. And so this is your homework for the week, is to think about these questions, is to think about who you're grateful for, and, but not just that, journal it. You know, I would encourage you even to write your own Romans 
chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. The people that you're grateful for in life and why you are grateful for them. These last several, this past month and a half where I've been studying gratitude has been so helpful for me personally. There are times in which I find myself starting to get into a dark or a negative place, and I just have, uh, I, I, I kind of um, realize, you know what, Steve? You're studying gratitude. You ought to be grateful right now. I was just at a conference, and it was a great conference, but I, was, I needed to travel home, okay? And this was on Tuesday of this week. And uh, I didn't sleep much the night before. In fact, I woke up at 3 in the morning, which I find these days, if I wake up at 3 in the morning, it's okay. I get up and I get work done. But at some point during the day, I pay the price, right? Um, and so I knew I was going to pay the price, and I, was gonna, I had to get on a plane that day. And so I got to the airport, and I was starting to feel so sad for myself. Like, oh, man, I've not gotten any sleep, and I'm going to be on this plane for three hours, and I'm going to be sitting by someone that I don't know, and, uh, you know, what do they smell like? What do I smell like? You know, I just, uh, I, and I was starting to think these things, and then I looked around, and it was, a, it was a meeting of scholars from around the world, biblical and theological scholars, and I started seeing some of them that I recognized, and I realized, you know what, this guy's from Australia. I'm flying from here to Jersey. He's flying from here to Jersey and then to Australia. And I was like, Steve, you have nothing to be <laughs> ungrateful about right now. You got a three-hour flight and you're home. He's got a whole day ahead of him. And that's all because of this thinking about gratitude and focusing about gratitude. I never would have switched my thinking if I hadn't have been working on this in my own life. And so I want to close with a reflection that I wrote this morning, because that's one thing I do in the mornings. I get up and I just reflect on things that I'm grateful for. And I was, I was starting to write about, I sit at my desk and I look out my window and I see the birds of the bird feeder. And I started writing about them. But as I was writing about them, one, one phrase came in my brain, and it's, all, all's right with the world. And I knew that was from a Robert Browning poem. And so I went back and I looked up the poem. So I'm going to read his poem, and then I'm going to read how I rewrote that poem, and then I'm going to read some of the things that I was grateful for this morning, and then the lesson will be yours. And the poem that Robert Browning wrote, Scottish poet, is called Pippa's Song. I could go into that, but I won't, okay? Unless you really want me to, because it's pretty awesome stuff about Pippa's song. Because anyway, my, my thought was, who's Pippa? So I looked it up. Okay, anyway, another day, another time. Some of you are really grateful. I'm moving on right now. Uh, Pippa's song by Robert Browning. It's a beautiful, beautiful little poem. And it goes like this. The years at the spring, the days at the morn, mornings at seven, the hillsides dew pearled. The lark's on the wing, the snail's on the thorn. God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. And those last two lines are a couple of my favorite lines in all of poetry. God's in his heaven, all's right in the world. And so I, this is my version of, of his um, song from this morning. And I didn't call it Pippa's song. My first name is Glenn, and so I called it Glenda's song. Uh, I just did, okay? It's called Poetic License, okay? Glenda's song. The years in the fall, the days in the morn, 
Mornings at seven, the leaves are a whirl. The sparrow is small, the dove is forlorn. God's in his heaven, all's right in the world. And then I continued on. This morning I am grateful because, and this is a good way to start your day. This morning I am grateful because I woke from a good night's sleep, had my morning coffee with oat milk, sat at my desk, desk to study, looked out my back window, saw a robin on my bird feeder. A robin in late November is a rare and blessed sight. I viewed a dozen sparrows darting from the rooftop and a feisty blue jay and a downy woodpecker pecking at the soot block. And a favorite, my favorite friend came for a visit, a red-bellied woodpecker, larger than most, my constant companion and a diminutive purple finch, and eight morning doves, not three, and no partridge. I'll let that sit it. Yeah, that'll sink in. Okay, you got amen. I will, I will read on. <laughs> lamenting, these are morning doves, lamenting, coo, coo, meandering on the lawn, eating the spillage. I smiled and thought, God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. And I contemplated the words of Jesus of Nazareth. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor spin, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Amen.